Hello, and, and welcome back to another episode of Pastor Vic's Nuggets of Truth. I've been away for about a month, but uh, I, I'm back, and uh, I've been thinking about some things to discuss with you, to share with you, and here's one of the conclusions that I came to, and that is that as a Christian, it's important to know who you are. Today, there seems to be such an effort in the world to put everyone into a group or a category, which suggests that there's a real identity crisis in our cultures, our societies, and our countries. The Bible makes it very clear who we are. We are citizens of heaven. Philippians 3, beginning in verse 20, says, tells us that, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, we're simply passing through life on earth with the mission of sharing the love and the salvation found through Jesus Christ. All of us in the natural identify with the country that we were born in. But now that you're born again, your citizenship is heaven. And this is why the scriptures tell us that we're to be ambassadors of Christ. It says that in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. Now understand that an ambassador is one who's sent from their home country to another for the purpose of representing the one who sent him. In our case, we represent Jesus Christ, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. I love what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, beginning in verse 1. And he said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. Verse 2 is so important. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of, wis of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, Paul made it very simple in verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. See, even the Apostle, the Apostle Paul recognized the tendency of the church or individuals in the church to identify with a person or a belief instead of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 1 Corinthians 1, beginning in verse 12, says, Now I say this, that each of you says, I'm of Paul, or I'm of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? See, Paul saw that the church was breaking up into factions instead of being unified by the finished work of the cross. And what's true in the, what was true in the early church also exists today. And so the question is, is there an identity crisis in the church today? I'm often asked, what kind of church do you go to? What kind of church do you belong to? Is it an evangelical church? Is it a Pentecostal church? And I always try to answer in the following way. The church I, I belong to is a full gospel church. We believe the entire Bible. Be, believing the whole Bible means that I am evangelical, I am Pentecostal, and I am charismatic. And I believe that the Bible teaches us that we are to be evangelical, that's our mission, 
We're to be Pentecostal. That is our empowerment. And, and we're to be charismatic. And that's how we attract people to Christ. Matter of fact, let's take a closer look at each one of these terms in what the scriptures and the scriptures that they're based upon. Now, again, I'm taking a very simple look, uh, and, and these terms are much deeper than, than I'm going to cover, but the term evangelical, for one, is, is defined as one who preaches or announces the good news of the gospel. So that means that to be, evangel to be evangelical means that we believe and actively pursue the Great Commission. The Great Commission is the charge to go into the world and make Jesus known. The Great Commission is found uh, in Jesus' words at the end of each one of the four Gospels. Now, most of us, when we look at the Great Commission, we look at the Gospel of Matthew uh, simply because it's the first book of the New Testament. However, the Gospel of Mark was written before Matthew. So let's see what Jesus said in the Gospel of Mark. And he said in Mark chapter 16, beginning in verse 15, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And here, here's something important now that we don't find in the other gospels. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, all of us would tend to agree with verses 15 and 16. And he said, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Where sometimes we tend to overlook verses 17 and 18. And these signs will follow those who believe. It says, in my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. You see, these verses speak of God's supernatural spiritual power over the spiritual powers of darkness. See, we are given spiritual power to cast out demons, to speak in tongues, to combat the forces of, of Satan, and then finally to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You see, all of these abilities are the outworking of the Holy Spirit living in us. In the natural, we're powerless. But in Christ, we are empowered to pull down the strongholds of the devil. Now you may ask, well, how are we empowered? Well, now it's time to take a look at the term Pentecostal. The term Pentecostal it simply means one who is empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness to Jesus. You see, it ties in with evangelical. It's clear from the Gospel of John that Jesus promised that the Father would send us a helper, the Holy Spirit, when Jesus departed from the earth. John chapters 14 and 16 shows us Jesus' intention that we, he would not leave us as orphans but would provide the Holy Spirit to encourage, to exhort, to edify we the believers. You see, the Holy Spirit guides, teaches, and reveals the heart of God. The Holy Spirit has two functions in the born-again believer. One is transformation. The other is the fulfilling of the Great Commission. Transformation is that process of learning how to overcome sin and walk in righteousness. When we come to Christ, 
All of us have areas of, of our lives that are not pleasing to the Lord. And the natural human response is to try and use self-discipline to change. However, the Old Testament and personal experience will show that the flesh or self-control is not enough. We need help. There must be a change on the inside of the heart, which only the Holy Spirit can produce. The Apostle Paul says that the flesh and the spirit are always opposed to each other. That means we need to learn how to be led by the Spirit of God, and that process of being led by the Spirit of God is called transformation. Romans 12, 2 says the following, and, and, and this is the writing of Paul, and he, and he said, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So being conformed is man's work. Transformation is the Holy Spirit's work. And the second thing that the, the, as, as a Pentecostal we believe is that, the, that we need help in order to fulfill the Great Commission. As I said earlier, the Great Commission is the work of every Christian, simply to, to know Jesus and make him known. In Luke chapter 24, beginning in 49, Jesus instructs the disciples to wait in Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father. He says, Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. But tarry, or wait in the city of Jerusalem, until you are endued with power from on high. Now I'm sure that when the disciples first heard this, they, they didn't understand what Jesus meant, until you are endued with power from on high. However, by faith, they went to Jerusalem and waited. And that is so key. Remember, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by intellectual understanding. Then in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, Jesus, and it says that, And being assembled together with them, he, meaning Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water. No, this is a key phrase. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Then in verse 8, Jesus says, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, in this verse alone, there are three things that we need to see. Number one, that we're going to receive power. Power in this verse, in the original Greek word, is the word dynamis. As a matter of fact, it's where we get the word dynamite, explosive power. But it means miraculous power or a mighty, wonderful work. In other words, we're not talking about natural ability or natural talents or, or skills. The kind of power that we're talking about is supernatural power from God. That's what God has promised us. And number two, we're to be witnesses to Jesus. This means that we are to testify of what Jesus has done for us as an individual. How Jesus has saved us. How Jesus has delivered us and changed us. See, that's our testimony. And that's how we share Jesus with the world. 
It's not by powerful preaching or teaching. It is simply one-on-one -on -one sharing your personal testimony with another. And thirdly, we're to be witnesses to Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And this means that we're to go to our families, our neighborhoods, our country, and even to the outermost parts of the world, sharing our testimony of what Jesus has done for us. These three changes, or expectations of the Lord, clearly shows us why we need the Helper, the Holy Spirit of God, because we can't do it on our own. This outpouring of the Holy Spirit occurred on the day of Pentecost, and it represents the birth of the Christian church. The Christian church was birthed in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts, beginning in verse 1, uh, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And then suddenly there came a sound from heaven, and it sounded like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were, sit or where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. To the new believers, this outpouring was a sign that the presence of God was here. The presence of God was present and gave them hope and boldness in to, to, be, to, to, to share their testimony of what Jesus had done. And you see, it's no different today. The Holy Spirit of God wants to be made manifest in our lives, in our homes, in our community, and certainly in our churches. This event was a charismatic event. And the term charismatic means one who exercises spiritual gifts given by God to draw people to Christ. There's a purpose to it. And the term charismatic comes from the Greek word charisma, which is, the, which is, the, which is used to describe certain giftings or enablements by the Holy Spirit, which demonstrate the power of God. Listen to Paul, the Apostle Paul's description of charisma in 1 Corinthians, beginning in verse uh, well, 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 4. He says, "There are a diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There are dif differences of ministries, but it's the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all." Notice two things here. In describing the gifts in verse 4, the name Spirit is used. Then in verse 5, the name Lord is used. Then in verse 6, the name God is used. So what we see is the triune nature of God is used to authorize, if you will, the gifts or the charismas that we find in 1 Corinthians 12. But then in verse, uh, verse 8 through 10, the nine gifts of the Spirit are listed. For to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and finally to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11 holds the purpose of the gifts. But one and the same Spirit 
works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is to draw attention to the Lord and to encourage, exhort, and edify the body of Christ. That's the church. So for today, my conclu- or our conclusion, if you will, is that as believers in Jesus Christ, we are to be evangelical or evangelistic. That's our purpose. But we're also to be Pentecostal or filled with the Spirit because that's where we receive the empowerment to fulfill the purpose. And then finally, we're to be charismatic because this is, what, this is the demonstration of God's power that draws people to the Lord. And we're going to be talking more about the gifts of the Spirit uh, in our next meeting. We just run out of time tonight or today. And, uh, but in any case, uh, listen, we are full gospel church. We believe it all. We don't, we don't, we don't remove things because it's uncomfortable or, or we don't remove things because it may, it, it's unattractive. We believe it all. We believe in Jesus. We believe in the cross. We believe in the blood that was shed, and we believe that he's made available to us his Holy Spirit, that we would be more than conquerors in this life. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you the next time. Amen and amen. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture quotations are from the New King James Version of the Bible. Copyright 1982 by Thomas Nelson. Used by permission, all rights reserved.